Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We need to think about it in stages. Create your embryos, so that's the first step really. Prep, create your embryos, get those embryos into quarantine, think about what you're going to do, then start meeting your surrogate, think about embryo creation, meeting your surrogate, and then the embryo transfer and beyond. So I think the first thing is where you feel comfortable having your treatment and creating those embryos is, is important. Hello and welcome to my surrogacy journey, the podcast. I've been told to speak slowly because I speak too fast. Uh, this is the podcast where you can hear all things surrogacy. I'm joining the studio today by Fran. Hello, Fran. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Thank you. So I know you've had quite a long journey this morning. You came from the deepest, darkest mountains of Wales. Yes, so I was on the 522 from Swansea. Wow, wow. Was it still dark? Yes. So Fran is our clinical lead at My Surrogacy Journey and she is one of the UK's leading fertility nurse specialists as well as chair of the RCN. Fran, tell me, what is the RCN? So I'm chair of the Royal College of Nursing Fertility Nurses Forum. So pretty much it's a group that looks after, well, supports fertility nurses across the UK. So training and education, we put on, you know, events, conferences, and try to promote best practice for fertility nurses across the UK. So you can see today why you were in such good hands when we're talking to Fran, everything about how to choose your clinic. A really important part of the journey, and I'm really looking forward to hearing some of the pearls of wisdom as a clinician and as an experienced nurse who's very familiar with the clinic setting and those processes. So Fran, tell us about some of the key factors that people need to consider when thinking about their clinic options? So I would say the first thing that you need to do is visit the HFEA website. So that's the Human Fertilisation Embryology Authority. Go onto their website and they've got a really useful tool known as the Choose a Fertility Clinic option. You can go into that tool and you can bring up a lot of different clinics, you know, based on location, success rates, and that will give you a comparison tool. And you can look at what's important to you in terms of whether it be, is it close to your house or whether it's um, the success rate. But the Choose a Fertility Clinic tool also gives you, you know, a feel for what the clinic is like. So they rely on patient feedback, so current patient feedback. So they have a list of, you know, reviews on there that you can also access and, and to find out what would work best for you. If I think back to our journey, you know, choosing the clinic was... Not stressful, but it was something that we just didn't know what to do. And there was there was lots of elements. I think going to the HFEA would be a really good starting point, you know. And I think as you just explained it then, the, the HFEA is a mind field of, of information. But I think what's really important to caveat on that is that 
Success rates are great. It gives you a general overview of where that clinic is from a success rate point of view and, and all of the feedback. But the HFEA doesn't capture data on surrogacy success rates. Is that correct? So it's does seem like it's quite a large thing, surrogacy, and we do know that it's rising and lots and lots of people are choosing surrogacy as a, as a route to parenthood. But success rates that are on the HFEA website and on clinic websites will often be for a, a group of patients generally, and it looks at the live birth rate or clinical pregnancy rate, so per embryo transfer. So it doesn't specifically break down surrogacy. So it's a, you'd have to do probably quite a lot of digging to get the surrogacy results out of there, the sur- surrogacy success rates. But it's generally when you do visit your clinic, your clinician at that clinic will give you an individualised success rate for surrogacy and your under your circumstances and your medical history. So Fran, let's just take a step back there because so for, for those of you who aren't familiar with the, what the HFEA is, Fran, would you just give us a bit of a, an overview and a bit of an understanding? What is the HFEA? So it's the UK regulator. So they regulate all fertility clinics and all, all licensed fertility treatments in the UK. So including surrogacy. So they make sure that clinics are looking after people safely and effectively, that they've got, you know, policies and protocols in place for safe treatment and effective care. And they make sure, and they do inspect us, so they make sure they come into the clinics and make sure that we're all working to the code of practice, which is pretty much like a guideline for all fertility clinics to make sure that we are, you know, adhering to the rules and regulations surrounding fertility treatment in the UK. I actually think we're quite lucky to have a regulator that regulates our fertility clinics because there's lots of places worldwide that don't have that. And we are, you know, in a position here where we've got a regulator that sits in government that does provide some guidance for us so that we can work safely and effectively. I think, you know, when you do start your journey, often you're on Google, you're on all of those types of things where it can be a mindful if you don't know what you're looking for you can be led down you know a rabbit hole of information that isn't accurate or isn't correct so I think having this one source of truth that helps and supports you with giving you as much information as possible to help you make a decision that's right for you now I've looked at the data on the HFA website it's it's confusing but I think what it does do is it gives you a general steer about how successful that clinic is it gives you a general steer about the patient feedback from there what are the types of things that intended parents should consider when choosing the clinic so you know you've mentioned success rate I think location is one of them are there any other elements that people should consider I think the most important thing is to make sure that the clinic actually has an established surrogacy program because many clinics don't and it's not because they don't want to it's just they may not have the policies and protocols in place or the experience to manage surrogacy arrangements that's for a number of reasons. Small clinics may not have a team in place to to look after the surrogacy treatment pathway and others just may not have the demographics. They may not have many patients that have needed surrogacy so they haven't built out a surrogacy program yet. So I think it's really important that if you are considering a surrogacy journey and you are looking to create embryos at the start, then you look for a clinic that's got a surrogacy program that's got a policy in place for surrogacy so that you know that there's a guidance that, that's going to be followed and you've there's a pathway for you an established pathway how would a set of intended parents know whether a clinic is an established clinic or whether they actually might do two or three cycles a year for surrogacy you can ask the question i mean you absolutely have your right to ask the question clinics will often um provide maybe mini consultations, free mini consultations or open evenings or events that you can attend and you can absolutely ask those questions and and I would recommend asking those questions and they'll say, you know, 
we, we've treated this many patients and it's still got to be small numbers for surrogacy. You know, you're not going to have thousands and thousands of surrogacy cycles. But if they've done 100 in the past, you know, few years, that's quite a lot in the UK for surrogacy. So if they've got a programme, they've got a policy in place and they've got a dedicated team, I would say that's another really important thing to think about. So they've got a surrogacy or coordinator, whether that's a fertility nurse who's managing the surrogacy programme or someone else who's an administrator but managing surrogacy, someone who's dedicated to that role because that will then mean that they've gotten a programme and someone who knows what they're doing with looking after you. And I always say this to anyone I speak to who's considering surrogacy, is it's really important to make sure you feel comfortable at the clinic. Make sure that if you are in a same-sex relationship or you're trans or non-binary or you're a single person then you know, make sure that the clinic's inclusive and you feel included and that you feel that your needs are met because it can be um, quite a tricky process. We know that it can be a long journey, it can be a complex journey and you want to feel comfortable. So make sure you feel completely comfortable and completely relaxed and looked after at your clinic because it's such an important part of the process and, and you want to feel that they're inclusive and, and they're ready to meet your needs. Yeah, I think if I think back to when Michael and I were choosing our first clinic, it, it, it has to feel right. You have to feel comfortable. You have to feel confident that they're going to look after you. And like you just said, you know, this is not a quick process. This is going to take time. There may be highs, there may be lows, particularly from, you know, embryo creation point of view and, and finding a donor. You need to have confidence in that clinic that they are going to look after you and, and do what's best for you, but also give you all of the information to allow you to make the decision that's right for you. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, let's not forget the fact that it's, very expensive surrogacy it's not you know routinely well it's quite unheard of for it to be available in the nhs so you know you're investing a lot of money in this clinic too so you want to feel looked after yeah so fran let's talk about so if you're a heterosexual couple you may have been through uh, a challenging fertility journey surrogacy wasn't the route you thought you were going to have to take but you're now left with the point of where actually surrogacy is now your only option talk to us about some of the things that heterosexual couples in that position may need to consider because I think what's really key here is that often some of these things just aren't even considered. Yeah and actually it's a good thing to be talking about because the most important thing there would be you know you need to understand that your status your patient status will change so whereas before you were coming through for treatment as a husband and wife or partners now you'll be coming through as donors. So you will need to register with the HFEA as a donor. And that's purely because, you know, the embryos are going to go into a third party, your surrogate. So whereas before you were using your own eggs and sperm to create embryos potentially for your own treatment, you're going to have to do some extra consent forms. You're going to have to be registered as a donor with the HFEA and have donor screening. So that includes hereditary screening for you know cystic fibrosis, karyotype, things like that. So there's more screening. So it does change the goalpost slightly. Hopefully, if the embryos have already been in storage, then they would have already been through quarantine. So the period of time that we need to keep embryos in storage. So that time will have passed and then you will need to do some more bloods to release those embryos from quarantine and be able to use them. It's just about understanding the fact that, you know, you can't just then go on to use those embryos. You're going to have to do screening and consents and change the status to being an egg and sperm donor, essentially. And not all clinics offer surrogacy as we've already said so you know you need to check that so it might be a bit of a shock to you where you've been you know had your treatment for a long time felt comfortable with the team felt well looked after that they don't have a surrogacy program and then you're gonna have to think about moving those embryos. I think it's really important that people understand how their status changes and and what what they need to do then to make that path moving forward work. So how how do clinics manage the emotional element of, of that decision and, and that realisation that their journey is about to change? So, you know, 
clinics, the facility clinics always will have an accredited counsellor working with them. What you have to look at when you're going down the route as being a donor or donation and surrogacy is um, obtaining counselling and implications counselling. So to talk to someone, a qualified you know, professional who can talk to you about that status change, what that means for you, how you might feel about you know, your embryos now being going into a surrogate and, and the goalpost change and you know, your own treatment was for you, now you have to have a third person into the mix. So clinics will offer counselling for you, specifically implications counselling, to support you, you know, with those decisions that you've had to make and the changes that have now occurred. But they'll also offer you support counselling you know, so you can think about your options because it is a difference. You've already been on a quite lengthy journey and now there's another thing to throw into the mix. Reach out to the counsellors at the clinic and actually we've got some fantastic counsellors at MSJ too so they can support you with those decisions too. So Fran, let's just, just take a scenario you know, related to you know, the realisation that the path has changed. If, if a, a couple have embryos at a clinic that actually doesn't have a very well-established surrogacy programme, how can how can the couple tackle that you know can they move them you know what's the process and what should they be you know thinking about when they're looking at what their future looks like from a clinic point of view I think it's exactly the same as if you were just going to start out creating embryos at a clinic so choose a fertility clinic look at the HFEA you know look at the clinics around you get a feel for them so you know open evenings, seeing, you know, what works best for you, where you feel that you're going to be looked after. Once you've made that decision, you need to talk to your clinic about shipping those embryos out because the arrangements will be made um, between the lab, really, about where the embryos are going and how they're going to be transferred. And there does need to be um, a third-party agreement in in place between the clinics, which they'll deal with. You don't have to get involved in that, but it's just to make sure that, you know, the lab's accredited and it's got all of the, you know, things that they need. I'm not an embryologist, so I'm not going to go into what, (laughs) what you need in a lab. But you know, just to make sure everything's above board. And, you know, it's an HFEA requirement to have a TPA in place, so third-party agreement, so your lab teams will get together and communicate about the best way to transport those embryos. But I think for me, the, the important thing is here is, and, and I hear this sometimes, is that your embryos can be moved. Yes. Absolutely can be moved. And I think some people think that if they they have to stay where they created them, even if there potentially isn't an established surrogacy program within that clinic. Yeah, and that's an important point because when you think about it, you know, embryos can be moved all over the world. So, you know, if you start with a clinic and create, I think we need to think about it in stages, create your embryos. So that's the first step, really. Prep, create your embryos, get those embryos into quarantine, think about what you're going to do, then start meeting your surrogate. Because if you're in London and your surrogate's in Aberdeen, then you might think about moving your embryos to Aberdeen. Once you've you've got down that line, you know, it doesn't always work like that, but I think do it in stages. Think about embryo creation, meeting your surrogate, and then the embryo transfer and beyond. So I think the first thing is where you feel comfortable having your treatment and creating those embryos is, is important, the first step, absolutely. It's all about managing it and not getting too focused on what's ahead of you. Focus on the things you need to do right here and now. And I think, what, like you said, Fran, doing it in stages is really important because you just focus on those bits. I think it can also help you manage the financial impact of the treatment. We all know treatment is expensive and it does vary from clinic to clinic, but doing it in stages can allow you to manage that financial implication of the treatment, which I think is often something that people don't consider really early on, but it becomes apparent because I remember having the call with the, the clinic where we've created Tallulah's embryos like they wouldn't start the treatment so we'd paid and it's tough you know it is tough so planning that in and, and trying to manage that financial element of the journey is I think is, is, is a really important piece and I think will resonate with you know a listener out there 
would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. So, Fran, I get asked a lot about people have embryos in, in the tank. I sound really professional when I say in the tank, do I? <laughs> Uh, and the current storage limits are? Well, it depends, really. So, I mean, we're actually in a space now where um, it's about to change, which is very good. But it was, you know, 10 years. So if if you froze egg sperm or embryos for social reasons, really, then you had a time frame of 10 years to use them. Depending on when you're listening to this episode, you may find that the law has already been passed and you can now extend storage for up to 55 years for egg sperm and embryos. So we used to be able to freeze for 55 years for medical reasons. So people that have been through cancer treatment or people before they were transitioning because it would have an effect on their fertility... They could freeze for 55 years, but now everyone can. So it will give people more of an option to use the egg sperm and embryos for treatment. And I think it just removes that anxiety around the clock ticking towards the the 10 year. Because for some people it has been, for whatever reason, frozen their eggs or embryos at an earlier stage, then now they have that flexibility, which I think, because as intended, well, as parents now who, who have children, but also have embryos in the tank, I mean, I don't know what would quite yet what we're going to do with them and Michael is still pushing me uh, to use those embryos to have another baby but I think it just gives you that time to be able to deal with how you're going to manage that process of of managing those embryos. Now Fran you mentioned location has been one of those key factors about when you choose your clinic. I think if you were right at the start of your journey you might think that you have to choose a clinic that's specifically more convenient for your surrogate. My view on this is that you should just focus on doing what's best for you, more convenient for you at the point where you don't have a surrogate. Like you said, go away in those stages. 
How do you consider a surrogate when choosing a clinic? What, what would be your advice to intended parents? I think, as we've already chatted about, do the work first. So look for a clinic that you feel comfortable with for your treatment and where you're going to store your embryos. Because we have talked about the stages and we've talked about the financial aspects of it, but also the emotional aspect of going through fertility treatment. You're going to be in this clinic quite a lot, you know, creating your embryos. You're going to be waiting, you're going to have screening, investigations and things like that. So you need to feel comfortable. And ideally, if you're working, you know, you need somewhere that's flexible and convenient for you to get to. Now, in terms of your surrogates, what we do see quite often is that people are matched with surrogates from all over the country. And this is really comes down to your relationship. So if you if you feel comfortable in the clinic you're at, um, once you're chatting with your surrogate, your surrogate's going to feel comfortable there too. So if you feel well looked after um, and you have that chat with them, then they're potentially going to feel well looked after at that clinic too. And Generally, we see, you know, especially with MSJ surrogates, they want to um, go where it's convenient for them too. And it might be they want to go to the one that's got the best success rates, like you've already chosen. So chat to your surrogate. Don't automatically think that if your surrogate lives in Liverpool, you need to go to Liverpool and you're based in London because it, it, it doesn't always work out like that. It's very much, you know, about chatting to them about what you want, they want, um, and supporting each other. But you might find if the embryos are stored in London, they might quite like to come down to London for the day to have their embryo transfer. And we try to minimise appointments for surrogates anyway. Yeah, I think if I think back to our journey, very naively at the start of our journey, you know, we found our surrogate before we started treatment we we weren't educated we weren't where we are now but we chose a clinic for convenience of our surrogate now thankfully that clinic was a, a clinic that had a good surrogacy program and ticked all of the boxes but I think for our second child Duke we chose a London clinic because it was about for us we were more prepared and it was more around the success so and then our surrogate did travel but what I would say is Always have conversations really early on when you are going through that process of finding a surrogate to meet a surrogate. Be really clear that you want to work on what's the most going to be the most successful for creating the embryo and a potentially a live birth. So just make sure that you work with a surrogate who's potentially prepared to travel as well so that you you discuss both options. There shouldn't be this default where you choose a clinic by your, by your surrogate because that's not really balanced and that's not necessarily always in the best interests of success. Yeah. I mean, and let's face it, the embryo transfer side of things for the surrogate is actually quite a small part in the process. You know, the long parts are creating the embryos, the quarantine, you know, waiting for your surrogate. And then you've got the pregnancy and, and, and the birth, which is definitely going to take place near where the surrogate lives because she'll be registered with her GP in that area. So, I mean, it's a small, small time frame, really. So, you know, and if your surrogate is happy and willing to, you know, travel to where your embryos are, then you know, it, it's probably less stress for you. But just as a keynote on the side there, so if you're a member of My Surrogacy Journey, we will do all of this work and support you as well. We also make sure that our surrogates very clearly indicate about what their preference is around that so that when you are potentially looking to match with a surrogate, you can see all of that information right up front and can make a decision potentially based on that. Fran, thank you for joining us today. I think the listener is going to find this particular episode really useful to help them understand those key components around choosing the clinic. Why don't you tell the listener where they can find the rest of the series? If you like this, then please go listen to the rest of the series. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify and My Surrogacy Journey, the Members Portal. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.